0: Hey, what's up everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude Podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm talking with my friend George. I met George and his wife Erica through Sarah because they all went to high school together. George and I bonded quickly over tennis, um, you know, the usual beers, uh, that type of thing. and we get to see him every once in a while, we get to hang out once in a while, but this is really the first real deep conversation that we got to have together. And that's what makes this podcast special to me is being able to have those types of conversations in a safe space with my friends and really get to know them a lot better. George and I talk a lot in this episode about tennis, but more importantly What kind of life lessons we can learn from tennis and other sports that we can apply to our everyday lives or our careers or our relationships or anything like that. There are a lot of parallels between sports and your actual life. Um, I know it's a weird concept, right? I also talked with George about how setting goals Helped him work his way up in the company that he works for. He's been there for nine years. He started as the low man on the totem pole. And now he's running his own crew. And so we talk a little bit about what that took for him to do that. And also the fact that a lot of people our age don't have the same job for nine years. They don't work in the same company for nine years. George and his wife Erica are high school sweethearts. They dated their senior year of high school And they got married about 10 years ago, and they now have a a 16-month-old boy. I talked with George a little bit about that, what that's like marrying your high school sweetheart and growing together. And so I, I was really intrigued by George's story and picked his brain a little bit about that. If you like what you hear on the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe so you get the newest episodes immediately. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend George. Hope you enjoy. Hey, George! It's good to see you, man. How you doing?
1: Oh, you know, just hanging out here, enjoying a good evening at the house. Now that the kids sleeping, so (laughs) there you go. There you go. Yeah. Sipping
0: on a beer over there.
1: Uh, Yeah. Blue moon, you know. It's a good night for it. Oh, yeah. What are you drinking over there? Uh,
0: I've got some uh, peach whiskey from Estes Park, Colorado, that ooh. I've literally had for a year. And I just finished it. This is the last glass of it. It's kind of... Kind of weird that it took me a year to drink a bottle of whiskey. I'm kind of ashamed.
1: Must be that good that you're savoring it.
0: <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It tastes better with a little bit or, of cinnamon in there.
1: Or it's not that great that it's taking you that long to finish it. <laughs>
0: I think I think it's that one. I think they were uh, a tourist trap that uh, definitely trapped me and my money. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, they always tend to do that.
0: Yep. Yep, they do. They do. They, and that's they okay. sell
1: you on how great it is, and then it's not. But right, you know, it, they sell you pretty good, and you go ahead and buy it, and you find out it's, you know, yeah. Great.
0: They they have a they had a tasting room mm-hmm. in downtown Estes, and it was like eleven o'clock in the morning, and Sarah was out shopping and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna duck in here and see what they have, and uh, yeah. So of course I did the tasting, and that's what sold me on the whiskey. I was like, well, now I have to buy a bottle of whiskey since I'm here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how it works. (laughs) They got me.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. They always do.
0: Yep. That's right. Yeah. Well, Hey man, thanks for taking some time tonight. I don't know. It's been what five or six years since we met after Sarah and I started dating. Um,
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah. Wow, time flies. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Plus years. <laughs> Five plus years. Yeah.
0: I know. You sit yeah. back and you think about it. You're like, damn, where is this time going? I don't even know anymore. Right. Um, and you, so you guys went to high school together. You grew up in Lexington. Um, you were a tennis star at the high school. Yeah. You guys have high school tennis, which is something I'm not used to um, growing up in Alaska. We just got tennis at my high school, I want to say three or four years ago. So um yeah it's well, that's,
1: uh, that's awesome it's a great sport it's i mean it's uh it's kind of been like a dying sport lately um you know not a lot of interest in it and stuff and so um i'm i know back home in Lexington right now uh Jake Salisbury big guy that was a big tennis player he became the rec- recreation parks and rec uh in charge of it and then he's also the tennis coach now and he's bringing it back starting kids at like a very young age you know to try and get more kids involved to bring the sport back up um but I mean every time I hear good things you know school starting tennis and like your school that you went to that's that's awesome that's amazing I mean I a sport that I love um I'm very passionate about and you know hearing that your school just started it like a few years ago like that's awesome because now those kids you know instead of just sitting there watching it and just go, you know, playing at the park and stuff with it. Now they can actually like get into it, compete, you know, and do more with it, which is great. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it is cool. And thinking about what you're just saying, when I was in high school, we that's exactly what we would do. We would just go to the tennis courts and mess around and mm-hmm. not take it too seriously. But if you kind of grow up with it, if you have it in your town, if you have a good, strong youth, system, you know, like with any sport, mm-hmm. soccer, baseball, mm-hmm. football, anything like that, that's just going to help you yeah. into your future. Um, mm-hmm. So where did your passion for tennis come from? Was it picking it up at a young age? Where where, where did all that um, start?
1: So the story of me getting into tennis. So it was, um, I played football one year in, in middle school. Um, my mom didn't really like it she was just like, you're going to get hurt. You know, it's what's going to happen when you get hurt. You won't be able to do any other sports and stuff like that. And then I tried to do freshman football. Um, she didn't let me, she, you know, went and talked to the coach, told the coach to go talk to my parents and then they still didn't let me. So I was like, all right, well, I just sit out this, you know, freshman year, you know, focused on band and stuff. And, um, and then in the summer I started kind of getting into it. You know, I know, um, uh, Danielle Ticker, well, you know, Hoffmaster now and Sarah, you know, they played and stuff. So I was like, Oh, maybe I'll, you know, try and get into it. I played a little bit in the summer, um, and then started going to like with the tennis team in the summer they have like on Tuesday mornings, they would play. And so I'm like, well, if I can't play football, I'm going to find something else to do. Cause I like to, you know, I, I, I love to be outside being active and stuff. So, um, my sophomore year is actually the year I started playing in high school. Um, Started playing, started, uh, I kind of went back and forth from JV and varsity, uh, mainly more JV, played a couple of varsity matches, um, but that's pretty much what got me started was just, you know, it was a big, you know, my parents saying no to football, and that was like my, my dream sport that I wanted to do, and so I was like, well, I'm, I mean, if th- I can't follow that, then I'm going to, you know, open up and find a different sport that I can, you know, excel at and make that my dream and make it my passion, and that's. That's how it came about, it was, you know, and thanks to my parents, you know, it's, you never know what could happen in football, contact sport, you know, tennis is more of just more, it's it's not as physical with the body, you know, contact sport, right. it's uh, a lot of adrenaline running around, you know, cardio, um, you do, you get, you can get just as much workout and sometimes even more, you know, depending on what matches you're playing and stuff like that, but. Um, now I've just developed it where, you know, I'm 31 and still playing tennis, you know, and I play leagues and as much as I can, I go, I still go to practice every week. Like I was still in high school. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But, it is really competitive and it's really addicting. Uh, I, I played oh, yeah. some tennis growing up as a kid, but wasn't real serious about it. But then once Sarah and I got mm-hmm. together, she coached tennis. She played tennis in high school and you know we we would play all the time and now i'm like playing twice a week i can't stop just because it's like the ultimate i feel like it's one of the ultimate mental tests that you can have in sport um besides golf golf is up there too yeah. but with yeah. tennis man it's it's a mind game as much as it is a physical game and I, that's something that kind of took me by surprise
1: yeah it's very much like um you can if you get into your head, you can beat yourself easily, you know, if you get into your head, if you just start like getting upset or, you know, like you, like if the way I look at it is if I get into my head because I miss a point and then I stay upset because of that point, I, it's, it's just the rest of the match is going to go downhill. Um, I mean, you can always come back and win if you just change your mindset. But I mean, once you just, once you get into your head really bad, it's, I mean, you beat yourself and that's that's the the fun that I like about tennis is you know you have to keep yourself motivated even when you're still down yeah. you know you don't have you know especially like playing in small leagues I mean unless like you're playing you know big tournaments where you have a big crowd like US Open where you have like thousands of people watching you but when you're just playing in you know at home in your hometown and leagues and stuff like that you don't have A lot of people watching you you know you can have one or two people you know but still like you have to find within yourself to motivate yourself and you have to like think about like imagining you know what am I going to do instead of just oh man well I just I lost that I'm going to lose the next one and you know and it's always fun (laughs) because you can have a really good opponent but they can have a bad day you can get into their head and then they're going to lose and you, you know you can beat them and that's that's the fun about tennis is you never know the outcome of any match yeah
0: so yeah that's why they play the game right on paper you may be a huge um underdog but once you get out there you could have a huge momentum swing and they just have a mental breakdown and they're done um that's it's kind of a cool sport to um really help you with that positive mindset and that's something that can carry into every asset of your life not just in sports um have you found that to be true in, in like your profession and in your relationships and stuff that, that kind of mental toughness?
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I keep playing it. Um, I mean, like tennis, is, it's a big self sport. Um, and when you, you know, when you're sitting there, when you're down and you're thinking positive, trying to like bring yourself back up. Um, I mean, that's, something that you can relate to life really easily you know you have your ups and downs and at your worst moments in life um it's up to you to bring yourself back up and i mean tennis is very relatable in in that aspect because um i mean be like i like i was saying you can have a be down in your relationship and it only makes you stronger as a person and you know then you're making you can support your relationship better or, you know, your partner or whatever it is. And it's easier to do it because you already know that even if you're down by yourself, you can bring yourself back up. And then, so when you see, you, you know, a friend or in the relationship that you're in, when you see them down, you can, you know, try your best to bring them back up. If you can do it yourself. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big part of, your everyday life, you know, your momentum, the cardio, you know, when you feel that you're, you can't anymore, but you still have one more full set to play. you're like, well, I got to find another gear to kick into to finish this match out. And you know, that's with life. Like you're, you get to your worst moment. You're like, I can't. And then you're like, well, I got to find that other gear to lift myself back up.
0: Yep. Exactly. It's, it's kind of that saying where, Um, you know, if you, if you think it's going to be really bad, if you think a situation is really bad, then it is really bad. But if you, if you don't have any expectations or you just kind of deal with it once it's happening, once that situation is happening, now you're like, okay, how do I get out of this situation? What can I do to make this better? And I feel like that's something that a lot of people, especially right now with everything going on it's been tough Mm -hmm. for a lot of people with the, with the mental side of things, you know, we've all felt kind of trapped over these last six months or so. So being able to have a little bit of that edge to, um, deal with some adversity and to kind of be able to pick yourself up and pick your partners up and your friends up, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a real skill that, that's very valuable.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's the same thing with like, you know, you, you lose a point you know you make a mistake and and you learn from that so you don't you try not to do that the rest of the match you know that's the thing about tennis is you know the match keeps going um obviously eventually it comes to an end there's a winner there's a loser but that's not your last match you can play another match another time and then you know you learn from your previous match like hey I made that mistake I'm not going to do that again which you do that in life like you learn from your mistake and you you don't try and do that again you know you like excel and make yourself better and that's why it's like oh that's why i love it yeah
0: yeah it's like Uh, continuous improvement
1: side of things yeah yeah you know it's okay to it's okay to lose every once in a while you know you're not always going to win but you got to learn even if you lose you got to learn from your mistakes and you get another chance which is awesome yeah there's always there's always
0: another game to play
1: right that's that's the cool part
0: um as you've gotten older and playing more tennis, um, in leagues and stuff, um, do you find kind of those young guns who are kind of coming up and need some, uh, mentoring? Do you get to do any of that or like with your teams and your leagues or anything like that?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's some people cause I, I'll play with, um, uh, I mean, I, at, at the level that I'm at now, um, mainly everybody's either, um, played college or, you know, still in college or out of college or actually, sorry, out of just got out of high school, which is the level that they rate them at. Um, so at the age that I'm at now, it's a lot more being patient, you know, um, not trying to get a winner every time you hit the ball or not trying to kill the ball. It's more about being patient and placing it in the right spot or, um, putting yourself in a position where you can win that point, you know, and that's uh, especially coming out of high school. Some of those kids that are playing, like, I mean, yeah, they're good, but even me at 31 playing an 18 year old, um, I can beat them easily even if they're better than me because um, I've learned to be patient now. You know, I've played it for so long that I can be patient. I can put them in a position where, you know, I'll play them back and forth, you know, get them like way back behind the baseline And then I'll just drop shot it, just barely go over the net, you know, but all they want to do is they just want to kill the ball and just get a winner every single time they hit it. And, you know, I've talked to some of them that are, you know, at my level and they're just like, well, you know, it's just, I just want to get a winner. And I'm like, it's it's not always about getting the winner. It's about, you know, let them make the mistake, not you, you know, because if you're always going to go for the winner, you're either going to hit it too hard it's going to go out or you're going to hit it right into the net. So I've done some of that that coaching with them. You know, I've talked to some of them, but for the most part, like I've been coached, you know, because a lot of the people in my level that I'm in are, you know, in their forties, you know, because they're at the point where they just want to sit in that level. They don't want to go up because then it's more of a fast paced game and they don't want to go lower because then it's a lower paced game. You know, I just, it all changes. So they're like, they found their comfortable spot and it's, you know, it's fun though. But yeah, I've, I've coached some people. I've talked to a lot of people, you know, younger kids mainly, like I said. And it's always nice to see them, you know, wanting to, um, come up to you and look up to you and ask you like, Hey, what can I do better? And, um, you know, I, I, I could see myself. If I would have had that privilege when I was that age, you know, I I totally would have done it. Um, So it's really good to see those kids asking for that. Um, And I mean, I still do it. You know, I go up to the, you know, um, older guys and, you know, ask for advice. Like, hey, how can I do this better? And the one thing I always get preached is just be patient. Let them make the mistake, you know.
0: I feel like that's a good lesson just all around. Just be patient. I th- I feel like we're too quick to react sometimes and I'm guilty of this a lot, especially at work is I I'm quick to react instead of taking a step back and thinking about what's going on and how to best approach it. But I'm just looking for that winner. I'm just, I'm yeah. just trying to kill the ball there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do the same thing at work and, you know, and I just, uh, you know, cause it's just, it, the feeling that you get when you get that winner, you're just like, ah, yes. But sometimes you just have to be patient to get that feeling. Yeah. Um but everybody, you know, you just you feel that what is it, eagerness, did I say that right? You feel that eagerness to just like go for it. Mm-hmm. But it's not always doing that. It's like if you're the more patient you are, the better the outcome is, you know?
0: I totally agree. Every yeah. it seems like every time that I jump the gun on something or um too quick to react. It always blows up in my face, you know, but uh, when you, when you take the time to take a step back and really analyze the issue or analyze, you know, a game plan to attack it, it always comes out better and you still get that winner. It just takes a little bit longer. It's not that instant
1: gratification
0: that everybody's after, but
1: yeah, I mean, that's, that's okay. what you see like on, you know, especially like the professional tennis players, you know, that's why they have such long rallies. You know, because they're just like, well, I don't want to make the mistake. The other guy doesn't want to make the mistake, so it, you know, you just back and forth, back and forth, until one person makes that mistake. You know, the one person is finally, you know, you get to the point where you're like, all right, now I have a chance. I'm gonna go for the winner. Wrong time. Yeah. You know, and then they learn from it. They come back, serve an ace. Like, all right, well, here you go.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to pick your timing. You got to pick the time. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so how do you feel about the tennis like like how has it changed your life like since you started playing it like more a little bit more because you you do more like leagues there now too don't you
0: yeah it's uh it's more of a group than a league it's Mm -hmm. just a a group of people who come down to the tennis courts a couple times a week and we just play um it's a lot of doubles uh, but i really like the single game um Mm -hmm. maybe i'm just selfish in that fact but um, I like not having an excuse, if that makes sense. Like I, I don't want, I, I want to be responsible for my mistakes and I want to be responsible for my wins. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do yeah. love playing. I love playing doubles, especially when Sarah and I get to play together. I, I love that. And that's, that's brought mm-hmm. us closer and, and that's been a lot of fun, but I, I just enjoy the test of the singles game. Um, mm-hmm. cause you're out there on an Island. And it's you against the other person, and yeah. whoever has the strongest mindset is going to win and and I really like the challenge of that,
1: yeah no i I agree with you with the especially playing doubles, like um I mean the whole time I played in high school i once you make it to state, it's like uh one singles, two singles, and then one doubles and two doubles, so not everybody plays singles or not everybody plays doubles. Um, so I got into that role of playing more doubles so I'm more of a doubles player than a singles player Um, but yeah I I agree with you in the fact that um doubles is more of a you know hey my fault my bad that was my bad I should have let you had it or you know I should have gotten that one it's a lot of an excuse game and your mindset can't be well I'm gonna get mad at my partner like it's you know, you guys are in it together. So you have yeah. to work together because when once one person gets mad, then, you know, your your partner's just going to be like, well, he just doesn't care about the match. And then the match just goes downhill um, with singles. It's, you know, you against yourself and the guy you're or the person you're playing against, you know, because you can beat yourself or you can analyze them and change your mentality where you can beat that person. And then it's just on you. You don't have to apologize to anybody. You know, you make the mistake. It's your fault. You're on an Island by yourself, like you said. And you know, you make that decision if whether you're going to win it or you're, you're just the, the match is going to go downhill or you're going to make it be a better match. Yeah.
0: That's the fun part. I, I love it. Yeah. And I'm still pretty, still pretty new. Uh, I don't have a, a rating to speak, well, I do have a rating, but it's very low. Uh, but we don't play a whole lot of like sanctioned stuff. We just like, mm-hmm. we just like playing. Um, but I, I can tell I've gotten better over these last two years. It's it's been like night and day. um Still not super consistent, but um, I feel like I'm in a good spot with with my skill no, set.
1: Like from the first time I saw you play with Sarah, I think it was at the. Uh, that was a few years ago to when i watched you guys
0: maybe it was that fast time. four i think it was that weird yeah, that weird tournament four. yeah
1: yeah from that time to this year's uh corner hustler state state games like you like your game has improved like so much you know it's just more of um you know you get better the more repetition you have you know obviously the more patient you become you know you 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 start getting better and then you start um, not only changing like You know, obviously, you you have to change your your racket, you know, the tension on your racket. um, You know, you move on to a better, you you get a different racket that fits your style of hitting. Um, You know, you change the grip, your grip style. There's so much that goes into it where, you know, like I don't use the same grip or the same strings, um, the same racket that I used in high school. You know, the racket that I have now, it's just, you know, it's so much better than the first racket I had, you know big price change oh um, yeah the strings the strings are fit for the way that i hit um my grip uh, not only the way i grip it but the grip that i have is you know fit for the style of my plane and that's what i like about the, the sport of tennis is you can um basically the tool that you're using to play can adjust to your style you know which is yeah. awesome that's why i like it and that's And, you know, like I said, the repetitiveness comes and, you know, the more you keep practicing and playing, you just keep getting better and better. But yeah, like I've seen your your game since the first time, like you've improved. So it was so much fun to watch you and Sarah guys play at the Cornhusker State games. And um, I think I watched a little bit because then I had my match. So, yeah, but no, it was fun. I enjoy watching you guys play. Thanks, man.
0: I appreciate that. And yeah. likewise, it's fun watching you play too. That's you know that's why Sarah and I get so into these tournaments as we come watch you play, and we're like, why the hell aren't we playing? We're playing next year. We're fucking doing this.
1: <laughs> it's um, always great fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I th- I feel bad though. Like um, I'm kind of concerned that pickleball is going to be taking over
1: and um,
0: stealing a lot of good tennis players. Are are you concerned about that at
1: all? Um, I would uh, not as concerned. I know pickleball has kind of, um, gotten a huge, uh, a bigger audience now, um, because you can play it year round. Mm-hmm. You can play, you know, outside and then you can play inside. I mean, with tennis, it's kind of the same way, but it's more, it's a, it's a faster game. Um, it's, uh, oh, I don't, I don't want to, just point out like one generation, but it's more of the retired tennis players will go and play that, you know, because yeah. you know you you retire from tennis, you can't compete with a 18 year old kid that's coming up and you know outrunning you and has better cardio, and you're like 34 years old out there trying to keep up with these guys. You're like, well, now I'm just I can't win anymore because of these kids, so you know, you go and retire, you play a couple, you know, tournaments for, you know, with all retired tennis players, but, you know, what else is fun out there? You can go play pickleball, you know? Right. It's, it's, the court's smaller, so you're getting those retired tennis players to start playing pickleball, you know, and it's a lot easier for them to pick pickleball up because, you know, they play tennis. Right. It's just, you know, pretty, pretty easy for them to just pick it up. Like, you know, that what was, uh, I was reading an article. I get the USPA tennis magazine and, um, uh, what was it? Uh, it basically, it was, it was talking about, um, it talked about pickleball and, uh, ping pong, you know, how tennis players, um, are kind of moving to taking over those sports, um, just because with tennis, you know, you have the big court, you know, you already know the swing, you already know how to hit the ball, stuff like that. And just to go play pickleball, you have to make a small adjustment, smaller court, um, to go play ping pong, you know, you don't have strings and you just make a little bit of an adjustment and then you can, you know, be good at it like pretty quick and easy. Um, but I mean, I'm not worried. Uh, I've always wanted to try pickleball. Um, it looks pretty fun. It is. Yeah. It's it's a good time. Have you played it?
0: Yeah, they had a they had a clinic out here. Was that last weekend or two? I think it was two weekends ago. They had a clinic out here. They taped off all the lines and everything. Um, if you do try it, my advice would be: do not try to play tennis afterwards. You will be so disoriented, you will not know which way is up. Man, it was it was rough, and it didn't help that they had they still had all the lines taped. So now you got. Tennis lines and pickleball lines. whew, I didn't know. I didn't know where the hell I was going.
1: Cause it's it's the it's smaller than the tennis court. I know that, right? It's yeah. like uh, the service box, basically. Yep. And in just almost about that length, service box and in. Yeah, I mean, I've watched some on TV. I've watched it sometimes, and I'm like, man, I, I want to try it. Like, I had a chance to go do it here, but I'm like, ah, I don't know. But I'm going to give it a shot sometime. There you go. It looks pretty fun.
0: Yeah. I I would I would highly recommend trying it. It's a good time.
1: It, it, it's fun. It feels like it'd be more fast paced because it's like a smaller court.
0: Yeah, it is and there's a lot more it's just pretty much all volleying. You know. Yeah. It's just that hand-eye coordination that I'm sure you have amazing hand-eye coordination, so it <laughs> it'll be fairly simple for you to pick up. I'm, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes.
0: Okay. That's a deal. That's a deal.
1: <laughs> or or you can teach me. We can go out and play.
0: That's also, I'll, I'll take you up on that.
1: Yeah. All let's right. Let's
0: do it. Sounds good. That's a deal. That's a deal. Yeah. Well, hey, man, when you're not playing tennis, you're probably at work, right? I'm, I'm assuming. And um yeah. you had to, you kind of worked your way up through the company at your tree service company. Um tell me a little bit more about that. You kinda you started as a tree trimmer, so you had to get hoisted up into the trees, is that right? How did how did that all come about?
1: So um short story. Um I had this job. I was basically working at security at the hospital and something happened there and, you know, I just didn't like it, you know, so I was looking for a new job and um i grew up in guatemala five years there and i climbed mango trees and you know coconut trees and stuff so i've always loved being outside um and i kind of i saw it on the newspaper and i you know read what they did and i was like oh i could be outside i love being outside and you know i like trees i like climbing trees and i've never done it the way that they did it so i was like i'll give it a shot so went to the interview and you know I only knew how to start a chainsaw and, you know, kind of notch and drop a tree at the ground. Um, Didn't have that much experience climbing with the system that they had. And so, um, you know, started looking into it. Thought it looked amazing, looked fun. And I was like, well, I could learn a lot from this. And um, started at the bottom um, because I wasn't, you know, they had to sign you off on just simplest stuff, like turning on a chainsaw. You have to get signed off. You have to get trained. Whether you know it or not, you still have to get signed off to be able to use a chainsaw. So I went through all, you know, training and stuff and they train you there. And so, you know, it looked pretty fun. And then I set my goals. I was, you know, my goals were, you know, within a, within two years, I wanted to be a foreman. So I wanted to be like, have my own truck and my, my top trimmer and the, my crew. Um, And then I was like, and then after that, I'm going to, you know, set my goals and try and just keep moving up uh, in the company. And so uh, climbing trees and learning everything is basically at the pace you want to take it. Um, You know, if you jump in there and want to learn and do it quick, um, I learned pretty quick. You know, I wasn't, um, I'm a little bit afraid of heights, which is kind of (laughs) weird, but (laughs) Um, but I, I, I enjoy the adrenaline rush that you get being up there in the tree. And, um, basically I was doing okay. I was learning, you know, at a pretty good pace. And then one of our guys, our top trimmer guy on our truck got fired and I was basically the next guy in and they're like, well, here's your chance. If you want to learn and pick up the pace and, you know, get promoted pretty quick and now's your chance. And so they gave me a couple weeks to see if you know that's where I wanted to be and um I remember the first tree we showed up the on Monday and he's like all right well you're gonna be my top today my top trimmer I'm gonna kind of show you what we're going on and I'll walk you through stuff and sure enough we get there and the first tree we have to do is I mean I it's um the power lines are the, the limb that we have to cut there's these huge limbs you know about like that big around And they're probably about three feet above the power line. And he's like, you have to walk out. So we, you know, I, you know, humped up there, humped up to the tree, put my rope up there. I got tied in and, you know, secured myself. And then he's like, now you have to limb walk out. And I'm just, I'm up there shaking. And I was just like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So, so the first tree that I had uh, to learn in was, this you know where i'm shaking nervous but the adrenaline once i started walking out my the adrenaline just kicked in and i just had this like huge adrenaline high where i'm just like all right i'm up here i'm gonna do it so i just get (laughs) out there and i just he's walking me through everything and i'm cutting and um after that day like everything just kind of like clicked you know everything he was telling me was just like clicking you know just like right on point i'm like he's like hey you need to do this and i was like all right i got it you know and then i just he just kept teaching me and teaching me and um like i said earlier i had set my goals that um by two years at two-year mark i wanted to be ready to be a foreman um it was about a year and five months um i got promoted to be a foreman um because i learned so quick um and i just you know, put all my effort into it, you know, I was like, it's a good paying job, it's, you know, it's something that I can see myself doing for a long time, Um, and it was, uh, it's a job where I could help other people succeed, you know, and one of my main goals when I became a foreman was um, I wanted to, um, I didn't care if people would pass me up, you know, like, if someone else became a foreman and then they became a general foreman, like I just, I wanted to help not just, you know, my group in Lincoln, but I wanted to, you know, help the company out, you know, like, Hey, like I, you know, you guys give me the guys, I will train them up. And, you know, and one of the biggest things I told people during training was, you know, you can ask me all the questions you want. I will go at your pace. If you want to learn, you know, the, the, the more you want to learn, the faster you're going to pick up and the more promotions you're going to get. And I would always get the question are like, well, would you be mad if like the person you train become a foreman, he would become a general foreman before you. I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't be mad. Um, I would be happy for them because it's basically uh, how am I say my prodigy? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah. So like I helped that guy like that. That's basically like not tooting my own horn, but like it puts me in a good spot in the company where they're like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. He's obviously doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up in Lincoln. I ended up uh, training uh, four guys that were uh, that became foremen, um, and then I trained. I think it was about seven or eight people that became top trimmers, and I had a few people quit, you know, and they just.
0: Just wearing I got good to the point where, yeah, yeah, it
1: just wasn't a good fit. It, You know, I could tell after, you know, a day of, you know, being with one guy, you know, I would go up to my general point and be like, this guy's not going to last. Like, he's like, well, just give it a shot. And I'm like, I'll give it about a month. You know, a month <laughs> came by and they're like, nope, I'm out of here. Not for me. But, you know, I, I saw a lot of guys um, that, you know, are above me now and, you know, they see me and they're like, Every time they see me, they talk to some people. They're like, I, w- "I would not be in this spot if it wasn't for George. You know, he trained me. Like everything I learned was because of him. He put all the effort into teaching me, but at the same time, he was teaching everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, um, it's it's a job that it's um, it's a very physical job when you start. Um, obviously, you're dragging brush, you know, carrying logs out, uh, climbing up a tree is. I mean, you can work out, you can, you can have the best workout, um, system, you know, going to the gym, doing everything. But the minute you climb a tree, you use other muscles that you never thought you had. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would come home completely tired. I would fall asleep on the couch, um, wake up just to eat supper and then fall back asleep. Um, and that was, you know, 40 hours a week, um, and then I was like, Well, you know what, like I've there's always new stuff to learn but I'm like, you know, it's I wanna keep moving up. I yeah. wanna keep doing other stuff. I wanna keep, you know, make it as high as I can in the company and um then they opened up a spot in, in Lincoln. I obviously you have to get qualifications, um, you know, like spraying license, C D L uh, International Arbor Arborist License and stuff. So I, you know, took the time to study and get all that stuff and they opened up a new spot in Lincoln where you just go around and plan the work. You don't climb, you just drive around, plan the work, tell people what you're going to do. And then after a while, you know, we moved here to Omaha and I had been driving back and forth for like, what's like four years, something like that. And, um, wanted a new, new start. Um, so I kept asking to transfer to, to Omaha since I lived here and I was getting tired of, driving you know waking up because I, I you know it was hard because i would get up at five in the morning leave here at like five forty, so i'd be gone from like five forty in the morning wouldn't get back to like six thirty, seven p.m. Jeez. You know? so yeah i barely got to see uh, my wife erica i barely got to see her sometimes and especially if i had to stay after work for like storm calls or anything like that stay after work and i would get home you know she'd be sleeping and stuff and so it was a little bit difficult um so then i moved here to transfer me here to omaha and um i still kept planning the work for for people and then they bumped me up to a different spot um so now i'm kind of in charge of the planners and but i do a lot of um i respond to calls so i just go and kind of survey power lines and trees and stuff and um that's basically what i do um but it did take a long time um to get to where i'm at um actually just had my nine-year anniversary with this company so wow
0: dude congratulations yeah. that's awesome nine <laughs> years for people our age that is pretty much unheard yeah. of staying nine years at a company that's amazing i
1: know that's a me and erica were talking about it. i'm like man i've been with uh aspen for nine years she's like not a lot of people at our age can say that they've been with one company for nine years.
0: No, but, that's really rare. But, that, but yeah. that's a testament to you, your goal setting, um, your passion for helping other people, and the company wanting you to stick around because they see your value. They see what you're bringing mm-hmm. to the table. Um, that's great, man. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you, where did that passion for helping other people, where do you think that came from?
1: I mean, there was a lot from my, uh, from my, my parents, um, you know, they're, uh, my parents, both of them are pastors, you know, so they're always, you know, helping people and stuff like that. Um, but back a long time ago, um, when I was in Guatemala, which is something I've never told anybody about Erica. Um, but it was, um, you know, you see those commercials of like helping kids in other co- uh, countries and stuff like that. Um, so, um. For, I think it was like a, a year or two or something, I was one of those kids that I got help from, you know, even if my parents being here and stuff like that. Um, but I had that help, um, which kind of like now thinking about it hits me like, you know, like some random person wanted to help, you know, that didn't even know me or anything like that. So a lot of uh, me trying to like help people out and see other people succeed is just because like that was one of the main reasons. And obviously, you know, like my parents always, you know, teaching me, you know, um, to be humble um, about what you do, Um, you know, to be, to be a great leader. You don't, you know, demand people to do stuff. You don't um, give or shout orders. You know, I was never the person that trained someone and yelled at them. I was, you know, I would take my anger, you know, I would climb a tree and go to town on the tree just, go and tell the chainsaw ran right out of fuel I would never and then I would come down and just you know talk to someone um you know in a good tone of voice I would, I never to me you know because I with those people that helped you know they were never there to see me and so they never yelled at me you know so it was just I never saw them I never talked to them and so And growing up, it was the same thing. My parents, you know, yeah, every parent's going to be, you know, put their foot down and yell at some point and stuff. But um, a lot of it for me helping people, that's where it came from, was just my parents and, you know, that couple years in Guatemala. And like, and that's my big thing is just being humble because I was at that point in my life where, you know, I had to be humble, you know, for thanks and to this day i don't even know who that was i've never met him you know i wrote him a letter with what i could write back at that time um but that was as far as it got you know um so i kind of i mean i wish i would have met him one time and say thank you but i guess my way of saying thank you is just helping people out and then just seeing the best of them, seeing what they could become, you know, because of that help that I got, this is what I've become, you know, with me helping someone else, they can become a lot more too. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to to watch other people grow like that and to stay within your company and not just in your company, but you know, on the Mm -hmm. tennis court or other facets of your life to know that people are looking to you, for that wisdom and for that Mm -hmm. mentorship, man, that there, there are not a lot of feelings out there that can replace that. And, um, Mm -hmm. I can speak from experience. I I used to be a baseball coach. I would coach our American Legion team back home before I moved down here. And it was the same, same type of thing, man. When you can see Mm -hmm. a kid's growth from, you know, when they start with you, then when they graduate and just watch them mature and watch them grow into a young man, Dude, it's it's a pretty cool feeling, and so I I can only imagine what it's been like for you to be on be on both sides of that too.
1: Yeah, It's it's great. I mean, it's just uh, it's a great feeling, you know. To like I said, I I don't care if someone you know goes far and beyond what I can do. Um, just as long as I know that I can help them get to what their dreams or their goals are. You know mm-hmm. that's what makes me happy. You know because I had someone to help me to my goal. So why not help someone else achieve their goal? You know sometimes yeah. not not everybody can do it on their own. You know you know everybody needs a little push here and there. So yeah, that's exactly right.
0: You mentioned your wife Erica, George.
1: Um, mm-hmm. you guys are
0: high school sweethearts, and you guys ended up getting married a few years ago. Um.
1: 10 years ago. 10 years ago. See,
0: again, time is just (laughs) flying by. I don't, yeah, time's just, I I don't don't even understand the concept of time right now. Um, Where my question is going is there's also not a lot of young people who can say that they married their high school sweetheart 10 years ago and are still together. You know, you hear a lot Mm of um, these stories of high school sweethearts who get together um, they survive the, the college years but then they get married and then they end up growing apart. But you and Erica, it seems like you guys are closer now than you were before, ever were before. Um what's that been like to, to be with somebody for that long and, and to kind of be there as you both grow together? Um what's that what's that been like for you guys?
1: Um, well, it it's it's been a long journey. Um it's been a you know a great journey it's uh um it, it started off uh pretty pretty tough in high school I did ask her out all four years of high school um three of those years she said no and then um she finally said yes uh, <laughs> and she told me she finally said yes because uh she she wanted me to stop asking so. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was actually in the tennis court um where I asked her out the last time um so we had just gotten done playing tennis and i mean it, i i guess you can say i i liked her since the first time i i like saw her um but just from where we were at in high school you know like dated through our senior year um which was a lot of fun and you know going to like prom with her and homecoming you know um that was that was fun I mean it was it, it was a relationship that um, I think even in her mind I you know i I didn't think it was gonna we were gonna be at this point in life where now we have a sixteen month old um, and married for ten years um, together for fourteen going on fifteen years you know um, I never would have imagined that um, uh, but you know it's she's uh definitely made me a better person um more patient um kind of (laughs) (laughs) most of the time yep (laughs) yep we all do we all do (laughs) but no i mean it's it's great to know that um you know we, we were high school sweethearts and i mean that's something else that uh like you said that not a lot of people can say that you married your high school sweetheart and you're still with them you know 14 15 years later and especially married for 10 years um dated through high uh through college um you know we still we did that long um what's that uh,
0: long distance
1: uh, long distance relationship she went to UNL in Lincoln and I went to Kearney and then um you know things didn't work out for me and Kearney and so you know I decided um that I, I loved her and I just, you know, I wanted to be closer to her and, you know, she made me happy. She made me a different person and a better person. So I moved to Lincoln and, you know, it kind of, from me moving to, I mean, we learned a lot having that long distance relationship. It's, it's never easy having that long distance relationship, but you learn, you know, trust is a big thing. You learn that. And, um, you know, um, you build your trust with one another. Um, so then I moved to Lincoln, and you know, uh, wanted to be closer to her, and you know, went off and on to school, and then you know, started working, and you know, we just kind of hit it off. And and I went and uh, asked her to marry me at the tennis courts where we played tennis. Where I asked her out. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> so our awesome. life revolves around the tennis. <laughs> <laughs> How does she so, feel about that? I mean, she loves tennis. She likes it. She loves to watch me play. And, um, I mean, even when we went to, uh, uh, do her family reunion, um, was in 2017, we decided we didn't take our honeymoon when we got married. Um, we wanted to kind of wait and, you know, she was still in college. And so we just waited and we decided, you know, Hey, we're going to go to her family reunion in Germany. Why not, you know, take a break from there and go do our honeymoon. So we went to London and, um, we actually ended up going to Wimbledon, which was uh, oh, man. a big dream of mine to go somewhere where, you know, even though they, they there was no matches, you know, the tournament wasn't going on. But um, I mean, seeing that being there, um, being in that place is just amazing, you know, and she was really excited, you know, because I was I was like a little kid, you know, <laughs> in an aisle of toys, just you know, everything was just like, oh my gosh, like, wow, this is unbelievable and, you know, it could just it was like the big wall where they post, you know, like the bracket Mm -hmm. like, I was just like a little kid, like, oh my gosh, and she's like, it's just a big wall (laughs) where they put names on it, I'm like but it's like, you know like Roger Federer's name was on there Rafael Nadal, (laughs) you know Andrea Agassi, like, all their names are on there, and she's just like, but it's just the wall, and I'm like but it's amazing, you know it's, <laughs> it, it was really awesome um that you know I, I guess from our conversation, you can tell that our life revolves around tennis a lot. <laughs>
0: hey, that's um, okay,
1: but you know um she's she's pretty excited about it, you know, and um she enjoyed it too we we did a a private tour, so we got to go to center court um we got to sit in the chairs where they interview the players after their match and um yeah it was it was a great experience um but you know it was fun
0: that sounds incredible it's like one of the that's one of the most iconic sport venues in the world i would say um you know there's probably a handful in that category but wimbledon is definitely up there i mean people who don't even follow tennis know what wimbledon is so it's oh, yeah it's a huge deal
1: yeah and we like we went through the museum and um just like the clothes that they used to wear back in the day. Like women had to wear like huge hats and uh, with corsets and long oh dresses gosh. and boots. <laughs> like they weren't wearing tennis shoes. They would wear like boots, like the little high heel, like, you know, the little high heel boots to play. And Damn. I mean, it, it they literally dressed like they were going to a ball, but they were playing tennis and the guys would wear like um, dress shoes and you know, like the high knee socks and their jeans and like uh well not jeans, it was like slacks and then they would it was basically like a full suit that they would wear with, you know, their little hat. And I'm like, wow. Like that sport has been going for a long time, you know, and it's it it you know, and being grass court too. It's like a the way they take care of the lawns out there. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I mean, the the same. I think the the head maintenance guy has been taking care of those courts for, I think he, what they say fifty like fifty five years or something like that. It's it's the same head maintenance guy. He's been doing it for fifty five years.
0: That's and incredible. the guy
1: that's gonna the guy that's gonna take over for him is his son. That's that's been working there. <laughs> wow. So it's basically like the maintenance people have been like one family, just passing it down. And, I mean, there it's it's amazing how, you know, it, it's one of the biggest sporting events, you know, aside from other, you know, sports, but like tennis, like it's a very well-known place, um, you know, uh, going back to like the taking care of the lawns and stuff, like they'll, you know, get, the, the you know, the, the dirt ready and all that stuff, they'll plant it. If there's one weed on the whole court, they tear it all up and start all over again. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Just because if one of them pops up, they have a chance of it spreading. So then they tear up the whole, that whole court, they tear off the grass and then plant it all over again.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it has to be all, like every grass is a certain, like like they have, they measure it. And, it's, and there's literally guys with scissors that, like, they'll cut it so it's all the same length. It has to be completely even all the way across.
0: Well, I guess that makes sense because if you get a ball that bounces on a tall blade versus a short blade, that that could actually cause uh, an issue there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Huh. It's crazy how much they take care of that place. And they, you know, they, there's a golf course just on the other side of the street that they're buying, they're going to buy that golf course and park out because they're going to expand it to make uh, more indoor. And then they're going to add some clay courts and stuff um, just so they have more indoor courts in case it rains during the, you know, when they, when Wimbledon comes back, hopefully next year, <laughs> it, was, it was a no go this year. Yeah. but Hopefully next yeah. year.
0: They've played yeah. some tennis so so far they've played the u s open they're doing the French open right now it should be should be mm-hmm. interesting,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. I've been watching a few matches on the French open um, I watched a lot of the u s open so nice doing nice. pretty good it's yeah. uh, at least there's some tennis kind on of so yeah. yeah
0: i I know a lot of people will make fun of me in uh for this, but i I just love watching tennis like i <clears throat> I think it's one of those things where you have to know what you're looking for. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like watching soccer. A lot of people don't like to watch soccer, but if you know what you're looking for and you know what you're watching, you're going to enjoy it a lot more.
1: You know? Yeah, I mean, that's the one sport I can put on TV, and Erica will sit and watch it with me. (laughs) If I put if I put football, no. Yep. Uh, Every other sport, she's like, I just rather watch it in person. But I'll put tennis on, and, and she she enjoys tennis. It's, I mean, it's. It's not like watching golf on T V where you're just like, make the putt, you know. Tennis (laughs) is just you know, you have your little downside where they're switching sides, but it's always like a you're like, okay, excited to see what's gonna happen and you have some incredible shots and you know, people doing incredible things and you're just like, All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I go and watch a football game and it's like, Hey, we're gonna run a play. Okay, that lasted about five seconds. Okay, well now we have like Thirty seconds, oh, somebody called a timeout, so now we're got to wait another two minutes. oh now we're gonna now we're gonna kick the ball off, oh, now we're gonna run more commercials, and it's just uh it's a little bit more difficult to watch football after watching tennis for a while.
1: I know like a sixty well football what sixty minutes total yeah, 50, 50, yeah. Yep. 60 minutes you can go watch a game, and it's gonna be like a three hour game,
0: yep. Yep,
1: because there's just so much commercial and so many timeouts i mean tennis you can watch a two-hour match but they're constantly moving you know Mm -hmm. and the only time they take a commercial is when they're changing sides like they're not going to take a commercial mid like in the middle of
0: (laughs) you know them playing you know
1: of the set of the of the game they're not going to take a timeout like unless it's like a medical timeout but they're not gonna be like, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go on commercials. You guys just wait for a little bit, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like in football, like, oh, first down, he made it to the you know, it's first and six. Oh, we're going on commercial. Like <laughs> now I have to wait a whole minute before they play another play, you know? <laughs> yeah. But...
0: Oh, it's tough. It is <laughs> tough. I was gonna say you mentioned you're sixteen month old. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sure you're learning a lot more in the uh, patience area than you thought you would um becoming a dad um what are some of the things that he's kind of taught you as he's grown up so far what are, what have you been learning from him
1: um gosh where to begin what have i been learning from my 16 month old <laughs> the biggest thing what you said is just being patient um i guess it's just learning how um not the biggest thing in life can excite you you know how like when you become an adult like um you know getting a a new tv you're like oh my god like yes it's a new tv and stuff like that like with him like i can just like seeing the world through his eyes it's like you can give him a little tiny piece of paper and he just goes crazy for it like he's just like amazed by it and just has so much fun and i'm like you know sometimes yeah uh, you know the saying is true it's the little things in life that you know can get you as excited you know and the little things in life can make you have even more fun than even having the big things in life um I think that's like the biggest thing I've taken from watching him grow and and being a dad is just you know it doesn't always have to be something big you know it can be the small stuff that just um that you can treasure and that you can have fun with and enjoy in life um because like I said, a little piece of paper, like, you know, he has a lot of toys, um, but he has a lot more fun with the can that the tennis ball come in than some of the toys that he has. And I'm just like, (laughs) you know, he sees everything differently, you know? And so it's kind of taught me to kind of see life a little bit more different now. Like, you know, um, instead of ignoring a lot of stuff that didn't interest me, I'm like, maybe if I pay attention, you know, a little bit more on this, then I could learn something, you know, it could help me out in life in the future one way or another, or it can help me out in my job or, you know, especially in in my job. It's just um, before I just, you know, I would go to a customer and say, Hey, this doesn't need anything. Or, you know, we're not going to do this and this and that. Um, But listening to them and seeing their side and seeing what they're looking at, you know, it's kind of taught me to do that aspect of my job better where i'm like okay now i see what you're telling me because you don't know like the whole science Mm -hmm. you know or the whole way i look at trees like you look at it completely different you know um so i've learned to you know look at what the customers at work are telling me through their eyes which is kind of what um rafael has taught me you know my 16 month old just the way he looks at everything is just, it, it amazes me. You know, like he gets excited when he starts saying a new word, you know, and it's just like when he learned to say up, like he's just up, 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 and it just, he gets so excited. <laughs> he knows, and once he figured out what that meant, like that he wants to go up, like, and we get him up, like he's just excited about it. And I'm like, man, like, if I would just see life the way he looks at it, I mean, I, I don't think I would be you know, get upset as much or um be as stressed out some days, you know, 'cause he just he's just full of energy and full of life and just wants to learn new things. Yeah. You know? And us as adults we get to the point where we're just like, Well, you know, I kinda figured everything out at work. I don't you know, I'm doing my job well, so that's that's it, you know, but there's always new stuff to learn. You know? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah, for and, sure.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've you know, what I've kinda of picked up from him is just opening my eyes and seeing life through through him, you know. But yeah. It's crazy.
0: Well, and kids that age they don't have any rules, right? They don't have any constructs that they have to work with like us adults do, right? They don't they don't know um what they should be excited about right they don't know that they shouldn't be that excited about the tennis ball canister but you know what that's the biggest thing in his life right at that moment so he's going to just take full advantage of it
1: oh yeah i mean like he thinks us saying no to him is a is a game like you know we're like no like you don't throw your toys and he thinks it's just a game so he just keeps on doing it and it you know and Cause he, he doesn't like, he knows timeout, which makes him mad, you know? Um, But like you said, he, to him, he has no rules. It's just go, go, go. I'm going to do what I want. You know, he doesn't know any different right now. You know, his, his life is just full of going to sleep, taking a nap, getting up, playing and eating, you know, <laughs> like that's his life, you know? <laughs>
0: So Eric, jealous. So he,
1: <laughs> he, oh, I, know. I tell Eric, I'm like, God, oh, man, I wish I could just not have any worries. Someone put me down for bed and then just <laughs> take me to somewhere of what I want to do all day. You know, like he goes to daycare. We drop him off. He gets there, eats breakfast, and then goes and plays. And then at, from one to three, he takes his nap and then gets up and goes back to playing again. And I'm like, man, would life be just so good if he could just do what you wanted to do all day <laughs> yeah
0: yeah for sure
1: but i mean he is learning you know he get he's get you know he's getting timeouts and stuff because you know he's just he learns and he's very observant you know he like really focuses on everything like he's copying stuff that we do and i'm like that could be good but that could be bad <laughs> especially <laughs> especially some stuff that that I do you know it's like Ugh, i should i need to learn how to like control myself sometimes like i have bad real rage like i get mad <laughs> easily and i was like sometimes i just blurt stuff out and i'm like find oh, that something good to to say or like something to do cuz then he's like he watches our every move he wants to be where we're at you know mm-hmm. um but he's very independent you know He wants to try everything on his own. And he just keeps trying it and trying it until he can't get it. Then he gets mad. And then, like, if I try and help him before he asks for help, he's like, gets even more mad because he doesn't want help. He wants to figure it out on his own. I'm like, all right, bud. You know, you're like mom, very independent. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a good
0: trait to have. Well, hey, man. Thanks for spending some time with me tonight. This has been awesome. I'm really, I'm really glad that we got to do this and uh, i know we'll have some topics for the next episode too
1: oh yeah no it was uh, it was great thanks for having me on and uh it, it was an honor to be on your podcast and talk to you and fan of the podcast i've listened to a lot of them and it's it's great to hear everything you know everybody's everybody's story and or what you guys talk about it's always great to you know hear that and hear everybody's you know what everybody's been going through and what they you know how they got to where they're at and stuff and it's always fun to listen to it so
0: thanks man that means a lot
1: you know like the saint says you learn something every day every yep. time i hear it it's, you know there's something that i never knew about you know you learn something or i you know add it to my daily life or you know whatever it is or whatever it may, it may be but you know it's great and i'm glad you're doing a podcast it's amazing it's awesome. <laughs> So I'm glad you're having fun with it too
0: thanks dude thank you i appreciate yeah. that appreciate that
1: yeah. all right man
0: well i'll let you get to bed and uh I'll, I'll uh, catch you later.
1: All right, sounds good. Well, say hi to Sarah, and uh, we'll we'll be there on the 24th.
0: All right, man. Say hi to Erica too.
1: All right, we'll see you later, man. All right, man.
0: See ya.